0: Remember, this is a prayer. We cut off the prayer at the end because I think this, these two verses are so important that we wanted to preach on it instead of cutting it. And a lot of times people preach this whole section from verse 14 all the way to verse 21. So verse 14, who's the hymn? Well, it's the father. It's the father. For this reason, I bow my knees before the father. But the question you have to ask is what is this father like? Because every single one of us has a father, but that doesn't mean they're a daddy. You know what I'm saying? That doesn't mean they're good. That doesn't mean they're powerful. That doesn't mean they can do anything about our situation. And so you have to ask yourself, what is this father like? And if you look at verse 15 through 16, and again, everything is going to be on the screen. This father is the creator. He is the originator. Every single family on heaven and on earth, every name comes and derives from him. So he has ultimate authority and sovereignty. And all that He does, He does it out of the riches of His glory. Do you guys remember we talked about riches of His glory last week? Throughout Ephesians, He, he says stuff like, out of the riches of His mercy. Now, the riches of His grace. And then this last week and today, we we're talking about the riches of His glory. And what is His glory? The glory is the accumulation of all of His goodness and His attributes towards us. And it's not like he has a finite amount, like he has a thousand of mercy. You know, if mercy was like a denomination, like a, like a dollar bill, he has a thousand dollar bills of mercy. No, no, he has an infinite amount, like last week we talked about, he has like, he's the print, he's like the federal reserve. It's like, it, it constantly, he has more and more and more, and yet it is not bad that he's printing more. He has infinite amounts, and it's good, and it's not like if he gives you some, someone else has to have less. like parenting, you can feel that. If I give my kid this, then therefore I may not be giving my other child that. But God is in a position of wealth where he can be like, everybody, you get a car, you get a car, right? Like everyone gets it, right? Everybody can have it, and I have more where that came from. This is the kind of God that Paul is praying to. He is powerful, but yet he is loving, and he is willing If you look at verse 19 in chapter 3, this is the love part. Paul wants us to know this loving Christ, the Christ who loves us with a knowledge that can't be comprehended because it's so deep. And yet he's beckoning and calling us to, to know this love because he wants us to have it. And yet you might think to yourself, okay, this is only talking about the love of Christ. Because sometimes we think, oh, the Old Testament talks about God the Father, and he's this wrathful, mean bully of a God who's jealous and selfish. But then in the New Testament, we have tender, loving, sweet Jesus, the friend of sinners. And so that's why you see here that we're trying to comprehend the love of Christ. However, check out John chapter 17, verse 23. If you do have a Bible, turn to that one because this is one of the best texts in the Bible. You, You want to be careful not to pull that card too much and say, this is the best in the world. But this is one of the best, I promise, right? And we've talked about this a lot at our church. John 17, verse 23 And the only reason why I want you to turn to it is because it's just worth looking at. It's worth highlighting. It's worth tattooing if you're into that. Jesus is speaking, and he says, So that the world may know that you sent me and loved me, love them, even as you love me. Hear that again. You love them, even as you love me. What is that text saying? So the same kind of love the Father has for Jesus, perfect, precious, amazing Jesus, he has that for his people. We we can't, this whole sermon's not on the love of God, but I just wanted to highlight the love of Christ and the love of Father are the same. The affections Jesus has for you is the same affections that the Father has for you. And if you look in this text in chapter three, you see the love of Christ, the love of God and and his power as parallel. They're together, which is important because it is a sad thing to talk to a loving person who can do nothing for you. Oh, Father, help me out. Sorry, I'm broke, but I love you. I'd love to do something. But it's even sadder, probably, to talk to someone who doesn't love you, and he has it. If any of you guys know of rich fathers who won't lift a finger for a child, they don't love, they don't care, and yet they have the means. And the beauty is that with God, you have both the means and the desire he has the pockets, and he has the heart. Isn't that beautiful? He has both, and they're parallel here. And so that's why it's so important we ground ourselves on who we're talking to before we get into anything else, because if you don't know who you're talking to, it's going to change everything about what you say to that person. And so now what? We, we handled the who. Now we're talking about the what. What can God do? Verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. Notice this language. It's not just that he can do what you ask. That's a really good thing. I'm really happy when I know someone who says they're going to do something and they do it. You ask them and they do it. But he can do that and he can also do more. But wait, there's more? He actually can do far more. But wait, there's more. Actually, he can do far more abundantly than we ask or think. So it's not like, hey, I gave you ten. I got 10 more. Uh, I gave you 10, and I actually got 10,000 more. It's I I can give you 10, and I have 10 billion, 10 trillion, all the money more. I got all the monies. That's what he's saying right here. I got more for you, and then more than you can count, more than you can fathom. The Greek here, actually, Paul is trying to use words that, that aren't normal in Greek. He's trying to mash words together for us to feel the gravity and the weight of how great this is. It can be translated more abundantly or, or infinitely. Now, check out the different translations. Uh, the NIV translates it like this. Now, to him who is able to do, to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. I love that word, Imagine. I like that more than the word think because he's, he's, it, it, it kind of helps you grasp this idea of, like, just more than you can even imagine, not more than you can just comprehend or think about in your head, but more than you can even dream of. The NLT says this, Now all glory to God who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Look at the message commentary. God can do anything you know. Far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. Isn't that beautiful? That's good. More than you can request or guess in your wildest dreams. That's, that's, well, that's well put, Eugene. And then the KJV. Let's go classic. Know unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. See, all these words, it's just the in- interpreters and Paul himself is just, it's just groping for language that can fit the, the, the more language that is here, the, the ability of God. And throughout Ephesians, we've seen texts like this that say, like, his immeasurable grace, his immeasurable mercy. And what I just love as I came to this text, it just hit me uh, this week. Man, with God, it's always immeasurable. It's always more. It's, it's always at least what you think, but it's always more. It's always even more. And notice that in this text it says, we, then we can ask or think. If Paul wrote we, then he's including who? Himself. Man, I think about the Apostle Paul, that guy, man. What did he do? What did he see? I mean, he was in the third heaven according to 2 Corinthians, right? Like, the, the dude went through some stuff. He experienced God at levels that I can't, I can't even imagine. And yet, even for him, he says, hey, it's more than what I can even dream of. God can do. Even more than the Apostle Paul. Wow. Now, what did Paul just recently say that he's referring to when he says he can do more? See, because if you think about this passage, it's often quoted to talk about that God can do more for you if you pray. Like, you you can imagine him doing more than anything that you request. And we're going to talk about that because that's for sure in this text. But there's something more specific Paul is getting at. What would be so unthinkable for God to do that Paul would have to say that God can do infinitely more than we ask or think? What did we talk about last week? Well, that Christ would dwell in you. Dwell in your hearts, your faith, that you would comprehend the incomprehensible love of Christ and that you would be filled with all the fullness of God. Crazy talk. Is that crazy to you? Because when I first hear it, it doesn't sound crazy to me because I've heard it enough. One scholar has said this, no prayer that has ever been framed has uttered a bolder request. He's basically saying, nothing has said, no no one has ever asked for something greater than this. Because he climaxes in the very end in verse 19 saying that you would be filled with all the fullness of God. What? The fullness of God? He's asking us, us, mere us, finite us, fallible us, small physical us, that we would have God in us? And it's not crazy to you. It's because you have a small view of God. And because I still have a very small view of God. The God who is the Alpha and Omega who is always here. There was never a beginning. There never was a day where he was like, oh, now I'm alive. No, he always was the God who created everything with just the word of his mouth, the God who upholds the entire universe by the word of his power, the God who, if he should set his heart to it and gather to himself his spirit and his breath, all flesh would perish together, and man would return to dust, Job 34, 14 through 15. The God who compared to him, the nations are just like a drop in a bucket. And are counted as dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Isaiah 40, verse 15. The God who loves his enemies so much that he dies for them. The God who will judge the wicked and set all things right that ever have been wrong. This God, Paul is asking to be filling us. Hopefully, by God's grace, that's starting to sound kind of like crazy talk to you. That doesn't make sense. And so Paul is praying that that would happen. So I don't think that Paul is implying that, hey, pray for that, and God can do even more than that. I think that is the infinitely more. It entails for him to give us all of who he is is more than we can ask or imagine. And now right after he does this, chapter 4 comes into the picture. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. He, he's just been talking about this relationship he wants us to have with God, this, the feeling he wants us to have with God, and now he's going to talk about what we should live like. Chapter 4, verse 1, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And so he's been unpacking this calling which we've been called, new identity, new community, and now you should live in light of that reality in the next three chapters, he unlocks living in a manner worthy of him, and it's absolutely countercultural, absolutely impossible. He flips on its head what marriage looks like, look, look, should look like compared to the culture. He flips on its head what the household should look like, what parenting looks like, what being a child looks like, what business should look like. And then he even talks about in chapter 6 that you are not just wrestling against people, but you're primarily wrestling against demonic hordes that are trying to destroy you. And so if you read the rest of this letter, you're going to feel a sense of, holy moly, I, I can't do this. I can't do this i got to just put this away. This is just this is legalism for me. This is too burdensome. I cannot do this. And, and you just said that you're going to fill me the fullness of God. I can't even fathom that. And so that's why verses 20 and 21 in chapter 3 is so important because Paul is giving us the confidence of how we can live this. And if we don't get this, church, we're going to fall into some deep, deep legalism and discouragement for the next couple of months as we finish this letter. Because as we read the impossibility that he calls us to, we're all going to just say, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. And if we're not grounded in this reality of 20 and 21, we're going to despair. But that's why it's in the Bible. So, here's the how. How can you do this? Well, according to the power that is work at work in us. What is the power at work within us. Well, again, Paul doesn't say it right here because he's, he's already talked about it. Look at verse 16. Remember, I'm cutting it off, and I'm, we're going back now to the whole prayer. That according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Chapter 3, verse 16. It's the Holy Spirit it's the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. The same Spirit that gave him power to do miracles. The same Spirit that gave him power to live the life that he lived is now in us, the church. And almost any time you see in the Bible, power, the Spirit is usually right there in the immediate context or right after. So whenever you see power, think Holy Spirit. When you think Holy Spirit, think power. If you want power to live out Ephesians, we need more of the Holy Spirit. We need to depend on the Holy Spirit. And so the remainder of the sermon, I'm going to break it up by talking about how God is able to do in you infinitely more than you ask or imagine. And then we're going to talk about that God can do infinitely more through you than you can ask or imagine. And then finally, we're going to talk about how God can do infinitely more for you than you can ask or imagine. Okay, those are the three things. In, with, for. All right, wait, wait, in through four. In through four. All right, starting off in. God can, is able to do in you infinitely more than you can ask or imagine. Here are two big takeaways that I think God can do in you. First, God has more for you in your relationship with him. God has more for you than your relationship in your relationship with Him. Have you ever met someone or read about someone who walked so deep with God, they had such an intimacy with Jesus? They had such a sweetness in their relationship with God. They loved God so much, and you could feel it. You could smell it. You experience it. And you, if you were a believer, if the Holy Spirit inside of you, your heart probably yearned and said, I want that. Anyone like that? I want to be like that person. I want to pray like that person. I want to know that person. Know Jesus like that person knows Jesus. I want to love like that person. All of us have been like that if you have the spirit in you. If you don't feel that, if you've never been drawn to that, you're probably dead inside. And that's what we talked about in Ephesians chapter 2. And if that's you, you can be brought to life by God's grace. And we'll talk about that more later. But listen, whoever that person is in your head, that person who walks with God that you esteem, and you said, oh, if I could only be like blank, God wants even more than that for you. Is that crazy? Even more than that, he wants that of you. He wants that for you. He wants to be with you more. I just finished up reading um, a book for the fifth time, *The Heavenly Man*. I got it my senior year in high school in 2006, and I've read it maybe five times, maybe more. And whenever I read that book, I read it every couple of years, just kind of like recalibrate myself because it just like just it just sets me it just sets me up. It just puts me in the right place and i read about this guy his name is brother Yun. he was a chinese house church pastor and um he just went through some incredible suffering and persecution was in jail like five times and deeply persecuted and and but yet god used him so much many miracles through him but the biggest thing that that sticks out to me is how much he loved jesus And when I read about his love for Jesus, my heart just says, I want to be like that. I want to love Jesus more. I am nothing. I'm just a baby compared to this guy. And then I hear the Lord speak to me and say, I want even more than that for you. I want to take you even deeper with me than that. That was very sweet to hear from God today, that as I thought about Brother Yun, he wants even more. But maybe you are hearing me right now and you've resolved you resigned to just be okay or good or lukewarm you know what i'm never going to be one of those radical crazy christians i'm just going to i'm just going to do my thing i want to just be a good guy good girl and i'm just saying god wants more from you god wants more of you god wants to be with you more Number two, here's the second thing that I take away from what God can do in us. God can transform you more than you can imagine. God can transform you more than you can imagine. Are there areas in your life that you've resigned that you're just going to be weakened? That you're just, that's just me. I'm just selfish. <laughs> it's just me, you know? Or have you ever met an older person, you know? And, and, and you're like, whoa, what's the deal with that guy? And like, oh, that's just old Hank. He's just a bad word. Yeah, he's just that. He's just like that. I never want someone to say that of me. Oh, Sam, he's just like that. He's just always talkative. He doesn't listen very well. He's just proud. That's just Sam. Have you been owning up to some of those lies? That I'm just this way. Many of you guys know this that I have ADHD. I'm clinically. Whatever diagnoses ADHD. If you didn't know, if you didn't know officially, you probably like probably does, right? I can easily say, well, that's just how I am. I'm gonna be eccentric. I'm gonna be bad at time management. I'm gonna be really loud and not, you know, not self-aware and really jump into a room and just start talking, talking. And there's all these like t- typical characteristics of an ADHD person. And if I don't have the Holy Spirit, I can easily say, we well, you know that's just me. And maybe flip it around. Maybe you're like, well, I'm just a shy person. I'm just not bold. That's just how I am. That's how God made me. Or I just struggle with addiction, with this substance or with this thing. That's just me. That's my identity. I'm afraid of people. That's just me. That's okay. You know, God loves me still. Yeah, he does. I'm just quick-tempered. And maybe you've resigned in your relationships, like your marriage. You know, my marriage is just going to be an okay marriage. It's just going to be a good marriage. But if you ever thought about a marriage or encountered a marriage that you said, man, that marriage is amazing. I wish my marriage was like that. God wants even more for you than that marriage. If you're single in here, we have a handful of singles. Maybe you have dreamed of a spouse in your head that just fits all the right characteristics that matter. You know, the ones that really matter long term and you have this perfect image in your head, God wants even more than that for you. Even more. Don't settle. Don't settle. I think I just saw someone point at someone else. Um, <laughs> maybe some of you guys are like, it's me. It's me. Look, people. This passage is calling all of us to believe that the Spirit can totally transform us, totally transform our character, even some aspects of our personality that are broken, redeem family of origin, brokenness, he can do that because you have the Spirit. He can help you do that which doesn't make sense for you to be able to do on your own. This, this last week, I just, in the afternoon, I felt pretty just exhausted, you know, with this, we just moved the week before, and, um, you know, our kids have been sl- waking up in the middle of the night, and it's just been hard, and Somehow I have a bruised rib. I don't know how that happened. Someone hit me in basketball. And uh, I just, I mean, in, in the afternoon, I was just like, I just, I just, I just want to just rest, and I don't want to serve. I don't care about my family. And this was such a good text for me because I was like, no, 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 no. According to the power that has worked within me, I can do that. I can serve. I can love. I don't feel like loving, but I can do it because the power is at work in me. The spirit is greater than your weaknesses, guys. And all of us probably have a best version of yourself in our head. This is the best version of me. They would be like this. They would say this. They would act like this in these situations. Their character would be like this. this. Whatever that person in your head is, the the best version of you, God can do even more, and he wants more for you than that best version that you can imagine. More than you can think. More than you can imagine, y'all. Number two, God is able to do through you infinitely more than you ask or imagine remember what god has done to you he wants to now do through you and ephesians chapter one through three has been talking about all that god has done for us to us and now the rest of the letter is going to call us to what he wants to do through us because of what he kindly has done to us have you guys ever dreamed about how god can use you typically when you're younger you think about this even more Oh, man, God, you can do this, you can do that through me. Or, or maybe you're the type that just always underestimates and you think, you know, God can't do much through me. Look at what I have. I mean, look at my past. Look at my wounds. Look at my current struggles and sins. God can't use me. So for the person who thinks that dreams big and says, oh, man, God can do this and all this stuff, and you dream about the nations, you dream about doing great things for God, God can do infinitely more than that. And for those of you who think very little that you can't do anything because of X, Y, Z, God can do infinitely more than your low standard that you've set him. And I'm, I, This is one of the biggest things that I'm begging God to catch in our people, that we would all have that mindset of, like, man, God can do infinitely more. I don't care who you are. I don't care how uneducated you are, what kind of background you are, what kind of baggage you have, what kind of wounds. God can do infinitely more through you than you can ask or imagine by the Spirit, He can do that. And I think many of us believe that God can do anything, but we just don't think He can do anything through us. Yeah, I know God can bring revival. I know God can transform a person. I know God can help set someone free from addictions. I know God, but he, he won't do that through me because it's me, right? Do you believe that God can actually use you instrumentally to bring revival to your whole workplace or to your family or to your neighborhood? Or to an entire nation, unreached people group? I believe he can. And God believes he can through you because of the great power that's at working in you. Why not? The only reason why we would doubt that God can do exceedingly abundantly than we can ask or imagine is because we're looking at ourselves instead of looking at a spirit. The only reason why you would shortchange yourself is say, like, oh, you know what, uh, Maybe i just do something really small on the side and, and uh, you know, just be faithful. The only reason why you would lower the bar is because you're just looking at yourself. Well, this is the education I have. This is the history I have. This is the gifts I have. Well, then, of course, then God can only do these kind of things. But if you look at the spirit that is in you, what can you not do if he has a spirit? We're often like Moses pointing to our stuttering problem. And God says, hey, who made man's mouth? So whatever you estimate God can do through you, multi- multiply it by infinity. And that's good for me because I dream big. I'm a big dreamer. And God said, Sam, take it even further. And whatever you do, it's even more than that. Number three, God is able to do for you infinitely more than you ask or imagine. Although this past passage is emphasizing the fullness of God and how God wants to work in us in the rest, rest of the letter, is absolutely applicable to talk about what God can do for you as you pray, as you pray, the requests we make for him. And remember, the same God who is powerful to do everything is the same God who is willing to do everything for his people. And I want to remind you, James chapter 1, verse 17. God is a loving Father. He is a loving Father. He gives, gives good gifts. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. That's so beautiful. But I want to highlight four major hindrances, I think, that get in the way from us praying big prayers for us. Number one, I think we know that God uses suffering and challenges for our good, and so that we don't know what to do because should we pray for good? Because if you pray for good things, maybe you're missing out on some sanctification or some learning opportunities. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think some people, because we understand that God uses suffering for our good, we have resolved not to pray for good. Because maybe I could just make my life as bad as it can be, and then I'll just grow more. And so I don't pray for anything good. And in this fallen world, we know that life won't be perfect until Jesus returns, so why even try? Yes, God does use suffering as a mighty tool to transform us to be like Jesus. Yes, in our weakness, he can be strong. Yes, sufferings of this world are preparing for us greater treasures in the next world. But I want to call you to ask for good things from your Father who loves you. Ask for good things. Ask for them all the time. Because God is loving and he's powerful... If he doesn't give it to you, then he's deeming that giving you something else will be more loving to you. But you don't know. So just ask. Just ask. Just keep asking and keep asking. So if you're sick, don't think, oh, well, in my sickness, you can be glorified. Well, yes, he can. And you should pray that God will be glorified in your sickness. But you know what you should also pray? God be glorified in healing me. Would you heal me? I feel terrible. I have migraines take the migraines away. I have whatever it is. I have something that's incurable. Be glorified in healing me. And if he doesn't, praise God, because he will be shown mighty in his worth in your suffering. But Pray for the good. Desire the good. Ask for the good. See, I had a friend, dear friend that Joanna and I got to, had the pleasure of walking with for a long time. Let's name her uh, Jenny, okay, because that's not her name. And Jenny really believed that God can be shown as powerful in suffering. And when things are hard, and she had a crush on a guy, okay? Let's call him Luke because that was his name, all right? So, she, Jenny has a crush on Luke. And we all in our community was like, man, I feel like if Jenny and Luke got together, that would be just so good. That would be such a good match, like good for the kingdom. They would just be perfect for each other. It all makes sense. But, but Luke, Luke's a slower guy. He, he doesn't pick things up quickly. Yeah, I'm not saying he's dumb, like he, he's a smart dude, but he's just like, just, he, just didn't, he, just, he just didn't know. And he was slow to see how amazing Jenny was. And I remember Jenny crying on our couch and asking us, like, what should I do? Like, we've, some people told me that I should just give up, you know. Clearly, God doesn't want him to like me and for us to be together. And what we encourage her to do is saying, hey, your father loves you. And if this is a good gift he wants you to have, and you think it's a good gift, ask for that gift. Keep asking. And you know what? She didn't get him. Just kidding. She got him. They got married, and they had their first child recently. Now, the reason I tell you that story is is she contended with God. She said, God, I think this is a good gift. But if not, I'll still praise you. I think this is a good thing. Because the reality is often we don't know what's best for us, right? Like our kids who want, like, candy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They don't know what's best for them. And so a good father is going to say, no, I'm not going to give you candy, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Right? But they should still ask. And so she she kept asking, God, you're good. You love me. And if this is the most loving thing for me and the the best thing for your kingdom, then you're going to give it to me. And that's what she claimed. She prayed it. She prayed it. And God gave her Luke. And they're amazing. They're amazing together. It took him a while to see the beauty of Jenny and how great she was. But she now see, he now sees. He, he now knows. But what if you ask something that's not good for you? Well, again, God won't give it to you. And the more chapter 3 gets in you, the more that Christ will dwell in your hearts through faith, the more you're going to pray the kind of things that God cares about. And that's why Psalm 37 is so powerful. Delight yourself in the Lord, and then he what what? will give you the desires of your heart. The more you delight yourself in the Lord, He's going to give you desires, and then as He transforms your desires to be like His desires, you will often, you're going to increasingly see more and more of your prayers answered because you're praying the things that are on His heart. So it is a process. But pray. And it may be stupid what you ask for, and you'll know eventually, but pray. If you want that, pray for it, small or big. Pray for your good Father. Pray and ask your good Father who loves you. Here's another thing. We don't see God as generous. Here's another hindrance to our prayer. We can all imagine a scene where a man is groveling towards a mighty king. This king has a reputation of being harsh and calculating and stingy, and he's groveling over him, and he has all these needs that he has for his village, all these needs that he should request, but he's so scared that if he asks too much, this king won't have it, and the king looks bored, the king doesn't look like he wants to be there, and And then he just asks one little request and scampers off as he stutters it out and runs off. And his village is like, hey, did you ask him everything? Well, I asked him for one thing. But we have ten things we need. I was was afraid. I was afraid. And I think we kind of have the same mindset with God. It's like, God, I don't want to bore you. You probably have more important things to do. I'm not going to ask all these things. Ask it. He wants to hear from you. Tell him the list. Long everything. He is generous. He wants to give to you. Remember who you're praying to. You're praying to the most generous person ever. Check out this this quote from C.H. Spurgeon. Who would have dared ask the Lord to give his son as a substitute to bleed and die for man? Who would have asked God for that? Hey, would you give me your son? Sirs, in providing for us a substitute from before the foundation of the world, the Lord has already gone beyond man's thoughts or requests. Having done that which we never sought for nor thought of, he is still able to amaze us with unlooked-for grace. Isn't that amazing? If he gave his son, what else can he give to show you that he'll give you everything, that he loves you? Which is a great reminder, Romans 8.33. 30, <laughs> so funny, several of you guys are taking pictures of it. First a second, I was like, oh, they're taking a picture of me. No, that is good. That's worth taking. Romans 8.32, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not with him graciously give us all things? If he gave, him, if he gave us his son, what else can he show you? What else can he demonstrate that he loves you, that he can, you're going to inherit the whole world? I love this quote from one scholar, F.F. F. Bruce. It is impossible to ask God for too much. His capacity for giving far exceeds his people's capacity for asking or even imagining. That's good. You can't out-ask him. He can do that which you wonder but dare not ask. He can do that which you wonder but dare not ask. Another hindrance is we limit our prayers by our worldly standards. So, so, So let's say you're looking for a house. And your mindset is, well, what can we afford? Well, okay, well, we can afford this much, so we're going to look for these kind of houses. But rather, you're a son. You're a daughter of the king. He owns uh, cattle on 10,000 hills. He owns everything. What you should pray is, God, where do you want us? What house do you want us to have? And if you want us to have that house that makes no sense, you're going to provide the means. And I'm not talking about reckless living and just not living in a budget. Get, Get YNAB. Get your budget mint or whatever it is. Do that. That's good. But I'm saying a mindset that we immediately limit God and we say, okay, well, this is what I can afford. This is what I can do. And so, therefore, I'm going to just ask for a little bit more because you're God, right? You can just do a little more. No, 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 no. Bust open the walls of limitation and let God take you anywhere. And that's whether it's finances or even like, Lord, where do you want me? And don't limit it to your education. Don't limit to your background. Wherever he wants. Let him set the agenda. And this is kind of cheesy but if you're a child of God, he owns everything. So if it's the Lord's will, it's the Lord's bill. <laughs> I remember hearing that. Charismatics love that. If it's the Lord's will, it's the Lord's bill, brother. It is. Amen. It is. And I remember when I went to seminary, trying to go to Bethlehem Seminary, leaving my like pretty pretty secure job situation and pastoral situation in California and taking my my wife, who hates uh, the cold, and, and our newly born Elijah, and taking us all the way to Minnesota. And I remember the Lord telling us clearly, this is where I want you. And even though finances didn't make sense, he called us there. And I remember just praying and saying, God, you called us here. I remember being in my bedroom at this five-bedroom house that we shared with two other families. So there's, our kids were sharing a bedroom. It was a really bad situation. And I'm just saying, God, you called us here, so you're going to provide, Right? This is what you've promised infinitely more. And I remember getting a call from a guy. His name is Jeff. And I didn't even know Jeff very well. And he said, hey, you know, my wife and I, we're going we're gonna to support you. And he's really dry, really, really dry. He said, yeah, we're going to support you. And I'm like, oh, great, and you know. Um, yeah, let's just, um, yeah, let's just start off with like $4,000 check. And then we'll give you some more after three or six months. What? what? I don't even know you very well. That was exceedingly more than I could ask or imagine. And then another couple that I didn't even know, their kids weren't even in my youth group. They just knew me from a, from a person over. I talked to mom on the phone, and they say, yeah, you know, uh, we talked, uh, Doug, Doug is his name, we, we, Rebecca and I talked, and um, yeah, we're going to give you uh, $500 a month. And they gave us $500 a month for four years. That's stupid. That's crazy. And God could even do more than that. I probably bet he could have done even more than that, but my faith was too small. I limited him. Are you limiting him because you think he's just like you except a little stronger? Just like you, just a little richer? We have not because we ask not. God is generous. If it's his will, he'll, he'll foot the bill, guys. Finally, God doesn't always answer the way we want. And so because we prayed in the past and he didn't an- answer the way we wanted, sometimes we just say, I'm not going to ask anymore. So we embrace the lie that God doesn't answer prayers. But remember, we don't always know what's best for us. And sometimes what we ask for, he gets something totally different, but it's way better. How many of you guys know what that's like? Oh, God, please give me this person. And then later you're like, oh, my gosh, thank you for not giving me that person. Right? all of us who had crushes in high school and junior high or whatever it is, Lord, I'm ready to get married. I'm 15, but I'm ready to get married. That was me. That was me. I was the guy who wanted to get married at 15. I want to share a story with you. Mary Nelson, in 1983, she was childless. And she asked God not only to help her in her grief for the absence of the children in her life, but also in her bitter awareness of women who could have children but chose to abort them. So she was barren, and she wanted a child. Mary asked God to help her give life to children in whatever way he would lead. Nine months later, Mary gave birth, in quotes, to the first pregnancy resource center in St. Louis. And since that time, literally thousands of children have been spared due to to the prayers and labors of Mary Nelson and others who have followed her. She who once asked to be a life-giving mother to one has becoming a life-saving mother to thousands. And I love that because sometimes we ask God one thing, we're like, God, why don't you give this one thing? The Lord's like, hey, hey, I got some some so much better. So much better. Now, this has been a very positive message, but it would be unloving for me to mention that if you do not know Christ, if you don't love him, if you don't follow him, he doesn't hear you. He doesn't hear you. Proverbs 1529. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. He doesn't hear your prayers. The only prayer he's going to hear is, save me. Have mercy on me. See, why would he hear your prayers if you're in rebellion with him? If you're in rebellion towards him, if you're not surrendered to his kingdom, why would the king, the gracious king, take care of subjects that are not his? In fact, not just subjects who are not his, people who are in active rebellion against his reign. Why would he hear you? Why would he listen to you? You're working against his work. Everything you pray for is for you. Everything you pray for is against what he wants to do. So if that's you, you are a stench to him, and your wicked deeds cover you and stain you. But yet the good news is he loves you still. He died for you. And if you want, you can be with him. He's willing to forgive every sin you've ever committed and ever will. He's willing to cover you with his goodness so that you will be treated as if you were his perfect son. You can have that if you turn from rebellion and surrender to this good king. He is willing and able to save you, no matter who you are. So it leads us to this question why is he doing all this? Why? Why would God give us this kind of access to him? Why would he give us this kind of access to these resources? Well, because it glorifies him. It shows himself to the world. Look at the last verse in verse 20. Oh, it's not going to be next. But you, have to, you have to find it, guys. This is, this is your quiz. These are the, thank you guys for serving. This is to his glory and glory in the church. And this, notice this language, in the church. God is glorified when his people have big faith. God is glorified when they ask things that don't make sense apart from him. He is glorified in the church. He is displayed. His power, his goodness, his love is displayed in the church when we have these kind of prayers. And so what should you do after hearing this point, all this? Guys, pray big things. And when you think of something big to pray for, think of something bigger than that. And when I say things, I don't think about, like, I'm not talking about, like, TVs. Go 40-inch. No, go 70-inch. Sure, maybe. I don't know. No, I'm talking about, like, what can God do in you, through you, for you? Ask for ridiculously ambitious things of God, things that would make most people blush. Just don't make sense. Let me ask you this. Are your prayers impressive to God? Do they honor God? What I mean by that, do your prayers reflect to him the kind of confidence you have in him? Do your prayers to him reflect to him the kind of confidence you have in him? Because if you pray little things, and yes, he does care about the little things, you better believe he cares about every little thing in your life, and you should pray for all of that. He cares about the little dumb things like a parking spot. And your back feeling a little achy. He cares about that, but he also cares about the really big things. What I want to highlight is the big things. Sometimes we avoid praying for big things because we think that he can't do anything. And you are honoring or dishonoring God by the magnitude or the smallness of your prayers. Sometimes I think God is actually bored of our prayers. We ask for God, dear God, help me have a good day, bless this meal. And God's like, yeah, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> but I can do so much more than that, Sam. I can do so much more than having you helping you have a good day. I could use you to transform nations. I could use you to dis- dismantle sex trafficking in your city. I can use you to transform this community and bring in racial harmony. I can do so much more, but yeah, I can answer your prayers to bless this meal. And you should answer, ask God to bless his, your meals, and you should ask for good days. But what I'm calling you to is dream bigger. Ask for infinitely more than you can ask. Ask God crazy stuff for him to do in you. Ask God to do crazy stuff through you. Ask God to do crazy stuff for you. And I'm grateful, guys, what God has done in our church so far. We're about to celebrate four months in, what, in a week or so? Four months. Four-month anniversary. But I think God wants more. He wants to do more. And I want us to imagine what could he do through us. What could he do with the people who just believed he could do anything. He's so honored by that. That big faith. If Paul were to be the pastor of the church, I think that anything that we did, he'd be like, great, great, great. And God's like, but I could do more than that. And then we step out on faith, we do that more thing, and then God blesses it, and then God said, hey, Sam, I know that that was awesome, but I could even do more than that. And then it goes on and on. What could God do through our church, guys? What could God do through you, through us? Listen, we don't deserve all of this, but Jesus has lived the life we ought to have lived. And thus we are now treated as if we lived that perfect life. And thus we now have access to God as if we had that perfect life, as if we are his very own son, because now he has adopted us to be his own. And so let me wrap up with this one line. God is able to do infinitely more in you, through you, and for you than you can ask or imagine.